Well, good morning again. If you have your Bibles with you, open to Colossians chapter 4. Our text will be verses 7 through 18. This will be the last as we walk through the book of Colossians. Now, as before, none of my messages are all comprehensive. There's more to be said and learned, so go back and read the book. I also need to make a disclaimer up front. There are some names in this text, and some of them I want to read like you find in the Greek. I have some uh, helps up here to announce the, the names properly, although I probably won't get it exactly right, so just bear with me. Um, fellow laborers in Christ, as we think about this, uh, as we look at the text, uh, Paul introduces us to some of his friends that he has made. Now, some of our most meaningful relationships that we have are with friends. We can recall with warm-hearted feelings the hours that we spent together, the joys, the sorrows, the experiences that we've shared. You know, friendship is a state of enduring affection, esteem, intimacy, and trust. Now, strong friendships are a critical aspect of most people's emotional well-being. In fact, research indicates that close friendships are associated with greater happiness, self-esteem, and sense of purpose. There's even physical results of having good, strong friendships, lower blood pressure, and a longer lifespan. Now, with all that said, how many friends do you have? How many do you consider to be friends? How much do you know about them? But then again, how much do they know about you? Will they be there for you when you need them most? How many do you consider to be true friends? How many would you consider to be, as we would say, fair-weather friends? And as mentioned just a minute ago, how many could you really count on when you're in dire straits? How many of them can you really confide in and trust that they will not gossip about you? Now, Paul knew about the importance of friendships and the ability to choose the right ones. We're going to meet some of his friends in ministry. They were with him in Rome. They walked the Roman roads. They lived in the Roman cities and they were under Roman rule. Now remember, Paul is a prisoner at this point, and I'm sure it was very dangerous to be his friend. But all these men that we come across in this passage, except for one, demonstrated their friendship and loyalty to Paul. These men were just not acquaintances, uh, just associates, they were his partners in ministry, hence fellow laborers in Christ. We read in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So let's read the text together. Now bear with me as I try to pronounce these names. If you laugh, I'll make you come up here and read them. No, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> Turn to the text. Just bear with me for a second. As to all my affairs, Tukikos, 
our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. For I sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas, cousin Mark, about whom he received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is also called Eustos. These are only the fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings, and also Damas. Greet the brethren who are in or in Laodicea and Nithia and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, Remember my imprisonment or chains or bonds, depending on the translation you have. Grace be with you. Let's go back to what he said first about Tukaikos. Our beloved brother, faithful servant, a fellow bondservant in the Lord. This is the same description you will find in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 22. Evidently, he carried the, the letter to the Ephesians and also will carry this letter to the Colossians as well. Now, according to Acts chapter 20, verse 4, he was a native of the province of Asia. And he became prominent at the end of Paul's ministry. Now, Paul trusted him with considerable responsibility. For example, the collection that was taken up for the Jerusalem church. He is also mentioned in the pastoral letters, 2 Timothy 4, verse 12, and Titus 3, 12. And in those, he's described as a faithful colleague of Paul. The Greek calls him a doulos, literally a slave of Christ. He had firsthand knowledge of Paul's circumstances, and we read in verse 8, look at the text, this is why he sent Tychicus to them, because he had firsthand knowledge of Paul's circumstances. Look in verse 8. For I sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances or how we are, and that he may encourage or comfort your hearts. I mean, what a description of a person, a beloved brother, a faithful servant, a fellow bondservant. When you say that word bondservant, more than likely they're translating doulos, which means slave in the Lord. He was his fellow partner, his fellow laborer, in Christ. He also mentions Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number. Now, this is an interesting story about Onesimus. If you read the book of Philemon, you'll find out he is a runaway slave. 
Now in Rome, that meant any uh, respect he may have previously had went away. He could be severely punished as being a runaway slave under Roman law. And for that reason, Paul is urging the church to accept Onesimus. He was a member of Philemon's household, a member of Colossae Church. So the church would feel some responsibility for him. Now somewhere he got in contact with Paul and became a believer, proved himself to be a a true friend and a brother to Paul. Now Paul is sending Onesimus back that he might return to Philemon on a new footing. It was necessary that these differences these two men had were to be reconciled because now they are fellow Christians. They are now brothers in Christ. He wanted Onesimus to receive the welcome as any new member would receive. He wasn't a stranger. They knew who he was. And he sent a letter of Philemon, which we have in our Bibles today, called, guess what? Philemon. And Paul wants them to be reconciled. And he invites Philemon to forgive Onesimus and welcome him back home. I don't have time to go on the dynamics about that, but here is a runaway slave. That was huge. And he met Paul. We're not quite sure when he met Paul. There are some, depending who you read, some educated guesses, but he became a devoted brother and follower of Christ. So now the relationship has changed. Yes, Philemon's still his earthly master, but now they're brothers in Christ. See, everything changes in that context. If if you're a if you've came to Christ and you've professed faith in Christ, you're just not a member of a of a congregation at Forestburg. You are my brother or sister in Christ. And we are fellow laborers in Christ. Matthew 28, go thee therefore and make disciples, not just for pastors. That's all our responsibility as Christians. Now, I have a little hard time with this next name. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings. Now, this guy, everywhere we find him, when he's accompanying Paul, there was trouble. In the city of Ephesus, for example, they were dragged through the city by an angry mob. And you see that in uh, chapter, excuse me, book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 29. The city was filled with confusion. They rushed with one accord or together into the theater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus. Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. So this guy was there when there were dr- Can you imagine that? Being drug out of the city? You know, as a pastor, as a believer, maybe you... I, I've been called some names. Have, have you ever been called some names? A Bible thumper, uh, narrow-minded, all these terms that we hear. Has anyone else been called that? I'm not getting any yeses or noes. I don't know. But I can't imagine being dragged out by an angry mob. Now, this guy was also with him on the ship that was, was wrecked. In Acts chapter 27, verse 2, he gets on the Adramidian ship with Paul that sails for a while but ends up being shipwrecked. This guy was there during some of the most difficult circumstances Paul found himself in. And look what it says in the text. His fellow prisoner. So apparently he was in prison with Paul too. That reminds me that you and I, we need friends that will endure even the even in, uh, that will endure even under the most difficult circumstances. I mean, he was there, drug out of town, 
He was there when they, they was there on the ship when they wrecked, and now he's in prison with them. Now, go back in your mind. How many people that you call your friends would be there for you in those type of circumstances when situations get real tough? When life squeezes you? You will find that some people won't come around you. They'll just leave you alone. But Aristocross didn't do that. He was there during the most difficult times with Paul. Now, you've heard of Mark, Barnabas' cousin's Mark. He was one of the best well-known people in the New Testament. He grew up in Jerusalem. The church met in his mother's house. And he had two names, like most people in the first century. He had his Jewish name, John, and Mark was his Roman name. Now, interesting about Mark is that he left Paul at one point. We see that in Acts chapter 13, verse 13. He left. We don't know why he left, but on the second missionary journey, Mark left. Apparently, that made Paul a little upset and probably hurt. But by the time this letter is written, apparently the two men had restored their relationship together. They had reconciled. In fact, in one of, in one of the last letters that Paul writes from a Roman prison, that's 2 Timothy, he requests Mark's presence. 2 Timothy 4.11, Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for me to service. So my point being, at one point in his life, he left Paul. We don't really know why. I mean, you can speculate the reasons why he left, but that caused tension. Hey, man, you deserted me when I need you. But yet when this letter is written, they've reconciled. He mentions him. So we need friends like that who will forgive and also be willing to reconcile relationships. Now, some people, they hold a grudge and they will not let go of it. As Christians, may I remind you, we are to forgive as Christ forgives us. We are to take the initial step. We don't wait to the other. Well, if the other person's hurt me, I don't have the right to sit down and say, well, I'm not going to forgive Dial over here until he comes to me first. doesn't work like that. Did God wait for me to show up and ask for forgiveness? No, He did not. He initiated the relationship by sending His Son to die. God always initiates it. and We need to follow that example initiate that. If we have in this room right now, if you have something with another brother or sister in Christ, I would invite you to get up and go across the way and reconcile that relationship. They're your brother and sister in Christ. And as a side note, some people, their excuse for not attending a local body, a church, is because look how they treat each other. They're constantly talking about each other, gossiping. And don't get a big head on me now, all right? Long as I've been here over four years now, going on my fifth year, it'll be five years in November if you're keeping count. <laughs> we need to be reconciled, brother. <laughs> uh, you have a good reputation. And what I see happening, for the most part, you do care about each other. I mean, sometimes I'm saying, you guys can get there and talk. I got to go home. But it does bless my heart because you guys are talking to one another. You gently carry. And what I'm hearing now is we want more fellowship time. You like hanging out with each other, which is, a, I mean, there's nothing more depressing than going to church and as soon as we say amen, everybody's out the door and gone. You guys like to stay back. You like to hang out and talk to each other. And this is one of the most praying churches I've been a part of. 
I mean, there's people praying all the time. We need people like what Mark and Paul demonstrated to be willing to forgive and reconcile relationships. Now we come, you pronounce that in English, Jesus, but I'm going to pronounce it in the Greek, which is Jesus and Eustos, the only fellow workers from the circumcision. Now when he says the only fellow, fellow workers from the circumcision, he's talking about Mark and also Aristarchus. In other words, these are the only Jewish people that I can call my fellow workers. These are the only Jewish Christians in Rome. Now think about that for a second. He can only find three Jewish Christians from the circumcision he's talking about who he can call as his fellow laborers. You kind of sense the loadiness of Paul when he makes that comment. Now there were some Jewish people in the, in the church of Colossae. We get that from this text. But it was mostly Gentile. And all we're called to get along with everybody, regardless of where they come from, it's different when you, you know, when you talk to somebody and you meet them for the first time, you ask, well, where'd you, where are you live and where are you from? And they say somewhere you used to live. Like, how I meet somebody who grew up in Northern Virginia? Like, hey, I grew up in Manassas. You have that commonality and, and conversation starts kicking off. You feel a kindred. Okay, you guys look at me, I don't know what I'm talking about. But you have that kindred, don't you? If you talk to somebody who's lived some places you've lived, been kind of down the same road, you have that kindred spirit about each other. And that's what he was looking for. Because only Aristarchus, Mark, and Eustace were their fellow workers. They were the only fellow Jews that were there. Now, with that said, Paul's concern, main concern, was never his personal comfort or well-being. I mean, consider for a moment all the struggles he went through. Shipwrecks, beatings, imprisonment, hunger. Can you imagine being run out of town? Okay, maybe not. Can you imagine being chased out of town? But Paul did learn to be content in every circumstance he found himself in. See, his greatest concern was the salvation of other people, Jews and Gentiles. The work and concern they had demonstrated, these three, brought him comfort. He knew that he was not alone. And if things was to happen to him, the work would carry on. Do me a favor. This is not, just look around the room. Uh, you know, we wish more people were here, but you're not by yourself. You have fellow like-minded believers in this room. You're never alone. Now, remember, we have God with us. We have the very promise of our Savior. Remember Matthew 28? He tells us go make disciples. Do you remember the promise he makes at the end of all that? And I am with you always, even to the end of... We have the promise of our Lord that He will never desert us. He will walk every step of the way with us. And we have each other. We are never alone. That is one thing the enemy will use on you to isolate yourself, thinking I'm the only one experiences, I'm the only one. Don't listen to the enemy. We all are carrying baggage, experiences, things in our lives. Once you get down that road thinking you're the only one, you start missing worship, you start missing being around other Christians, and a lot of bad things can follow. So we need friends that will bring us comfort. Let us know that we're not alone. How many cards have I received addressed to the church here 
Tell the church body, the church family, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for the phone calls. Thank you for your concerns, the texts, the emails, the phone calls. I mean, those, I have, you like to see them. I have them in my office. There's a stack about this tall about all these cards that we receive. We need those type of people in our lives that will bring us comfort, speak encouragement, and remind us that we're not alone. He talks about Epaphros, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He is perhaps the one who brought the gospel to Colossae, perhaps the pastor and the planter of the church there. No matter how he met Paul, because I'm not quite sure how he came in contact with Paul, when he met Paul, a strong friendship developed. Most likely, he probably met Paul when he was teaching in Ephesus, heard the good news, because you see Ephesus, Colossae, Laodicea, and Hierapolis are pretty close to each other. He heard the good news, and what did he do? He ran home and let everybody know about the good news he has heard. Look what he's described as. He was a man of prayer, quote, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, end of quote. Constantly, always, fervently, laboring earnestly, personally for you. Specifically, he prayed for the maturity and the assurance in the will of God. That word translated fully assured means to complete or fill completely. So this word came to mean to be convinced fully. In other words, he's praying that they will have a complete understanding of the will of God. He prayed for them all the time. And look what he says next. He had a deep concern for you and those who are in Odyssea and Heropolis. Those two cities are about six to ten miles apart. They're both near Colossae. Epaphras carried the gospel to those two cities, planted churches, and he interceded for the churches in prayer. He just didn't plant them and leave them alone. He prayed for them earnestly. Deep concern. And specifically, that they would understand the will of God. So we need friends who will be in constant, necessary prayer for us. People who will pray for us. Myself, back in December, spent some time in the hospital with COVID. Could have no visitors at all. It was probably the toughest part. Not even my wife could come see me. I know it was good. I could feel the prayers of all of you going up. That reminded me that I'm not alone, that God is with me, and I have brothers and sisters in Christ who love me. And I know Teresa and Brian have expressed that same thing to me. Many of you have. When you get to that part of life when it just squeezes you in stress, you don't know how you're going to carry on people lifting us up in prayer. It's a great thing to have people in our lives who will do that. It talks about Luke, the beloved physician. Now, he did more than any other person to enhance history's understanding of Paul. We don't know much about Luke's background. The best records suggest he was from Antioch or Syria. He was a devoted Christian, a Gentile physician, and a writer. He wrote both books of Luke and Acts. In fact, in the book of Acts, three times the subjects changed from they to we, meaning that Luke was with him on those journeys. 
So Luke was there. His probably Paul's uh, medical advisor as he traveled. Now he misses Damas. Now, he, now Damas is only mentioned three times in Scripture. Here in Colossians, 2 Timothy 4.10 and Philemon 24. Now he accompanied Paul to Rome, but he later would describe him as one who loves the world. Probably returned to Thessalonica, which may have been his home. Now Paul was saddened about this because of the loss of the gospel and of a personal friend. Apparently he loved the world more than probably by Paul, meaning that, look, the pressures of the gospel, being a witness, missionary journey was too much for them. He'd rather go back home to an easier life. Is being Christian easy? That's not a rhetorical question. Is being a follower of Christ easy? Is it easy? Not when we live in a world that goes directly opposed to what the gospel says. It's not easy. That's what saddened Paul most of all. You can't give up. You can't throw in the towel. So we need those people who will pray for us that when we get to the end of the rope, people will encourage us to stay faithful. Demas, Demas walked away. But see, we need friends like Luke who use their skills and talents to help us. But we don't need friends like Demas who will leave when things get hard. Because trust me, Life will get hard. I've heard it say this way. In life, there's three different stages in life. Either you're about to go through a storm, or you're going through a storm, or you're about to come out of a storm. Well, that's really cheery, isn't it? But that's true. We have the promise of our Lord and Savior. He'll be with us every step of the way, and we have each other. Now, our Kapos, take heed to the ministry which you have received. He, he told him to say that to him. Paul is urging him to complete the work God gave him to do. In other words, Paul was holding this individual accountable for the ministry that the Lord called him to. Now, accountability is one of the bedrock principles of church membership. Now, as a side note, church membership does not save you or earn you favor with God in any way. Church membership by itself does not get you into heaven. Church membership is not a get-out-of-jail or get-out-of-hell-free card. Church membership is accountability. Every time you say to me, Tim, we love you, we appreciate you, you're speaking encouragement to me to help me to continue on in the call which God's called me to. And I should be seeking the same thing to you. I really appreciate your prayers. I really appreciate your support. I really appreciate all the work that you're doing. We're speaking that encouragement to one another, encouraging each other and spur each other on so we all may finish well. Then he ends the book by saying, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Most letters in the first century were penned by a secretary. Paul would dictate it and the person would write it down. That was very common in the first century and it was very common with Paul's letters. But Paul is now writing this so they wanted him to know them to know that this letter is from him. Sometimes his letters were real large. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 11, he tells them, see what large letters I'm writing to you in my own hand. Some people say because he had poor eyesight. We really do not know. But Paul's letting the people at Colossae know this letter is from me. And there's two final reminders that we find that encapsulate the entire message of the letter. Remember my imprisonment. 
my chains, literally my bonds. That's the value of the gospel for Paul. It signified his relationship to Jesus Christ and reminded him of his commitment. To be committed to Christ, there's going to be hardships, there's going to be difficult situations. And he tells them, grace be with you. He ended up in the letter where he first started. The entire letter argues for the principle of grace. God supplies the salvation freely and requires nothing but us to trust Jesus. Salvation is a gift. You'll never be good enough. You can never pay enough. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I've sinned against you. I've broken your law. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Come into my life and you become a believer in Christ. Behold, all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And here's the thing. He's wrapping this whole thing up from like a two bookends about God's grace up front and God's grace at the end. Because if God's grace is with them, they need nothing else. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God that knows no bounds? How could you ever measure God's grace? It's, it's impossible. These were all fellow laborers, except for Damas, in Christ, that Paul writes about and gives wonderful descriptions about. Now, like I tell, I'll just touch the tip of the iceberg about these individuals. Go back and do some research on your own. No matter how close your friends are, there will be times they will forget. Has anyone ever forgotten your birthday? You ever forgotten your anniversary? I've been guilty of that. Ooh, I caught a lot of heck over that one. Forget things we used to do together. Forget the things that you both once held dear. And if you're friends long enough, as you get older, you might forget each other's names after a while. <laughs> I shouldn't say it. You know, in church life, a lot of times you just say, hey, you doing, brother? Forget their name. I just said that. Now I'll call you brother after service. He forgot my name. But we have to admit to ourselves. Let's be honest with ourselves. We're going to let each other down. We don't, we don't intentionally set out to do that, but we will each other, let each other down. And we need to determine now what kind of friend we desire to be. Because here's the truth of the matter. The kind of friend that you are usually will dictate <clears throat> what kind of friends that you have. The kind of friend you are we usually dictate the kind of friends that you have. But you and I are, are called to be more than just simply friends. We are called to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We are called to be fellow laborers in Christ. Proverbs 18, verse 24, A man of too many friends comes to ruin, literally be broken in pieces, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's talking about you can have all these friends in the world you want, how many friends will be that close friend? See, as a brother in Christ, I should be, there should be no questions asked. I'm going to be that friend to you that will not leave you in different, uh, difficult circumstances. I'll be that true friend to you that will not leave you when you need me the most. We are human beings. We have weaknesses. And at time to time, we'll let each other down. But let me tell you, there's one who will never let you down. And his name is Jesus Christ. Do you have a relationship with him today? Is he, your, is he both your Lord and Savior? If you're looking for true friends, 
people who will stick by you doesn't mean we're perfect. We stumble, we lay each other down from time to time, but we strive to be Christ-like more and more each day. I can't think of a better place in a congregation, a local body of believers, to have friends. And gentlemen, some of you in this room, I feel closer to than my own father, my own brother, because you're my brother in Christ. I have a, a gentleman back at First Baptist Bellevue who was there when I gave my life to Christ. His name is Michael Slayton. He has been in the trenches with me. You know, you can't buy that stuff, can you? You, you think about it for a moment. God has poured out so many blessings on us, things you cannot buy. The world is trying to promise something they can never deliver. If you just buy this, look this way, act this way, talk this way, you'll be popular. Everybody will like you and love you. That's not true though, is it? How many celebrities get wrapped up in fame and fortune and appearances and they get caught up in the partying and then they fall? which they normally will do. The same people who just couldn't live without them, thought they were everything, are the same people that are condemning them and kicking them in the side. Let me just do this as an illustration. It doesn't mean we close our eye to sin or sweeping around the rug. I may come to Daryl. Brother, I love you. I've heard some things going on. What's going on, brother? See how I'm approaching him in love? And then I can tell him, Brother, I'm struggling with this. Let's go together to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. That's how we're supposed to do it. I don't do it to make fun of somebody, but it's out of my genuine concern for this individual I go to him. Because if I truly love him as Christ, I'm going to be concerned about him, right? It's no different with the lost. Can you imagine... Somebody passing you by day after day after day after day. And you never mention one word to the gospel to them. And they spend eternity in hell thinking, why did you just why didn't you just tell me? Why? Let me just encourage you this week and the following weeks and the rest of this year, the rest of your life, people come into your lives, don't think of them just circumstances. They're divine appointments. God bringing people into your life. So you may speak truth and love into it. We are called, as our sign out said, says, we are known by love, living by faith. Each of us are called to be fellow laborers in Christ. Each of us has a part to play. As pastor, I'm not above the body. I'm not below the body. I'm part of the body. I just have a responsibility. I'm pastor. But you have a responsibility to that body as well. What is God calling you to do? Are you listening to Him? Are you contributing? Working together to build the kingdom of God to make a difference in this community, in the state, in the world. Would you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. And Father, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank You for 
our church family here, our brothers and sisters in Christ, only in this body, but Father, throughout this country and around the world. Because Father, we know what holds us together is stronger than anything the world has, and that's the precious blood of your Son. Father, I pray if there's anything that we may hold against each other, anything we need to go across and say or just simply pray, I pray that you knock down the walls and break the chains that that will happen. I thank you for leading me here to Forestburg Baptist Church. I thank you for what I see you have allowed me to see happen. But Father, I know that you still want to do more with us. So here we are, your willing servants. Continue to move and shape our hearts. Shape us in the men and women you've called us to be. Help us to be more Christ-like. In His name that we pray. Amen.